Hey, Jesper. Thank you Hi, so you. much uh, for making the time and my apologies for the slight calendar fuck up, but uh, yeah. I'm happy you had the time and thank you so much for, for being here. Um, happy to be here. To those who don't know, would you mind introducing uh, Postevan really quickly? What mm. what it is your company does and then we'll get into everything. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I, um, I, I saw who you have interviewed early on and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of, of that lineup. Um, yeah, the company that we, uh, that we are running, me and my partners, is uh, called uh, Postman. And for those who don't understand Danish, it's the Danish word for tap water. And it basically started almost 10 years ago now. Uh, when we attended the school called the Chaos Pilots in uh, in Aarhus, um, where we were on our third year, me and my partner Andreas, and we became aware of how the bottled water industry in the U.S. were running. There's a, there's an, a documentary called Tapped. It's it's a bit old now, obviously. There's been newer versions of the same topic uh, later on, but it. It basically told how the major players in the market are fooling people by selling them something they think is a purified spring from a forest, which is basically just stealing normal people's groundwater and selling it back to them through the factor of a thousand or whatever. Um, and uh, we found that quite interesting and pretty scary as well that a business. Uh, a business that that are operated on 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 a basic human need on on behalf of a basic human need uh, could um, could actually happen. Um, so uh, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've done a TED talk. Yeah, I saw it. This actually, I saw it uh, yesterday preparing for this. Uh, it's a, I'll link it as well in the show notes later. It's a really good one to watch. I liked it. No, thank you. In the beginning of the TED talk, I'm talking about that. That who would charge people for a basic human need like air would be ridiculous, and and if we ask our grandparents that 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 you today could go into a shop and uh, buy water to the factor four of of fuel, uh, would they laugh or would they cry about it? And uh, when you when you start to reflect on how this industry actually is running, uh, it, it is it is ridiculous and it is scary. So we started to look more into how we do in, in Denmark, and in Denmark we have some of the best tap water in the world. And uh, we've had that for generations, even though that we are, are uh, one of the nations in the world that are having the most uh, area space taken for, for agriculture. Um, but what does that really mean, the best tap water in the world? Is that... Is that groundwater? Could you, could you just get a bit specific, if you wouldn't mind? What does yeah, that really mean? Of yeah. course, that the groundwater that we have in Denmark um, has been, has of course been, been there for for decades, um, but but it's also clean. It's not it's not polluted. We are starting to see more and more of the drains getting polluted. But in general, no 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 matter where you are in Denmark, you can open the tap. And then you can get clean uh, water, great quality, sometimes much better quality than you see in the bottles. And that is actually, I know that you're from, from, from India, that's not the case in India. Defin definitely not, no, no, uh, no. 
and and uh, there's more than a billion people in in uh, in India, and I think that a lot of them envy the the the, the thing that we have in Denmark here, where we have the access to free, clean drinking water, no matter where we are. And I think one of the one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, and we had a quick call a few weeks back uh, trying to schedule this, was that because I did a documentary on the water issue in India when I was 14, okay, a long time ago, uh, and. We had a lot of issues. We couldn't air it because there were some government issues. We we filmed some things we were not supposed to film. There was a lot of. Uh, I, I have a whole uh, ep- episode I'm going to do on that <laughs> later. No, I'm looking forward to to listen uh, to that. Where we were not allowed to actually publish it, and the 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 film was stolen from us because we sh- we were showcasing some terrible terrible things that were being done um, to the water. And I think uh, and I think for me, I guess because of that sort of early. Um, influence. I've always been very uh, envy, anti, uh, sort of anti-water uh, companies, um, and I think um, my wife uh, will will attest to this. I'm really weird with my with my with my mineral water that I drink. Like I don't buy much, uh, and when I do buy it, it's uh, like I'm a nerd where I will call the water company and say, "Can you please tell me where you're, f- you know." Uh, where yeah. where are you making this and where is it from mm. and 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 I think and I think that was there was not just the similarities of sort of the interest in water why I wanted to have you on was but because this I mean inherently if you're doing something like taking something out of the ground which is there mm-hmm. maybe you're distilling it maybe you're not maybe you're adding some minerals to it whatever you're doing and then you're putting it in plastic most likely and then you're shipping it all around the world inherently it's a very resource heavy business. Definitely. And like you cannot say you're a sustainable company. No way. Most of them are not. Well, what I find interesting about you and your partner, I think you mentioned in the TED Talk it was Andreas. Mm-hmm. And maybe there are some other people involved as well now, yeah. of course. Um, how you guys uh, and your team didn't say, okay, let's let's make a big campaign. You said, let's launch another company that competes with these people, competes mm. with these companies. And and I find that very interesting. Why did you take that route and not sort of the political or the NGO route? Uh, first of all, I think that um, yeah. when when we looked into this project of this situation, we uh, we could see that like every year, maybe every every six months, some kind of article will pop up. Uh, on the social medias that uh, drinking bottled water is compared to driving uh, so many kilometers in a car. Uh, and then people would share it and be very harm around and then we'd go outside and just keep on buying bottled water. Um, and and we were afraid to do the same. So starting just a campaign that could get maybe quite good attention for some month and then the attention will die. So we decided instead of standing outside of the um, of the market and yelling in, we wanted to join it, but be extremely faithful in our to our mission and and uh, and be honest to people about what they are buying. We decided to call ourselves Post Event Tap Water because mostly of the water that are actually sold under different names that put spring in it or call it mineral water is basically just groundwater. It's, complete, it's, it's the exact same thing. 
so why not just be proud of that and tell people? And then the second of it comes that, that uh, we, uh, the same that we, we, we went into this market, we could see how people were starting to discuss um, these plastic islands. It is actually not plastic islands, but we call them plastic islands that are floating around in the sea. And it was a time that we learned that that uh, that would become more plastic in the sea than fishing by 2050. Um, so we decided that if if we should do it, we would definitely not use a plastic bottle, which are made from fossil fuel. Um, a plastic bottle is is you can recycle it. You can also recycle a carton, by the way. But we are we don't believe in a future where packaging is based on fossil fuels. We don't believe in the future of fossil fuel at all. So why start using it? That was like the thing. And then, then we decided to do a non-design. Uh, if, you, if you look at our product, both when we started the company, but also today, we don't have any colors. We don't, like, we don't speak to any emotions. We just wanted to have like black on white paper, tell people, this is what you're buying, but you should actually, uh, if you have the opportunity, drink water directly from the tap. And also by that, we are telling people not to buy our uh, our water. And if I'm in contact with a company that actually are uh, uh, handling out tap water directly from the tap um, uh, and, and they want to buy ours, I'm, I'm trying to to ask into them, why don't you just like continue serving tap water it it is the absolutely best way to do it um and uh, and i have uh, talked myself out of of several sales opportunity uh, opportunities um because we we uh, back to your question because we want to stay true to uh, to what we are in in the business for and we are in the business of killing the bottled water uh, market not not to expand it very cool. Um, I think I'd like to, um, because because we have some time today, which is very nice, and I would really like this to be sort of an artifact for anyone who's interested in what Postvan is about, that they can look at it and sort of dig a little deep into your thinking and thinking behind the brand. So if you wouldn't mind answering, um, I'd love to go through sort of the value chain or the sort of the, the supply chain of how your company is structured. Yeah. Because I think that is one of the most opaque parts of this industry. Mm -hmm. And in the name of transparency, it mm -hmm. could be interesting to sort of just talk about where you guys, because for example, like I know Hart Bakery is a bakery I go to often. Yeah. They sell your water. Yes. Um, and, and normally I don't buy it, but when I'm on my way, like I want water with me, mm -hmm. which is the purpose of carrying it with you if I don't have my own water bottle. Then I buy it. And I think one of the first times I bought it, I, I it just stood out. The blank design stood out. The sort of message on the side. I read a little bit of Danish now mm -hmm. after having lived here for a couple of years. So it was like, okay, does this mean don't buy it? <laughs> I didn't get it 100%. Mm -hmm. So I think that is one end of the value chain, right? Where the customer, me, anyone who buys your water bottle uh, from mm -hmm. somewhere, or your customer is the retailer, I guess. Mm -hmm. But you know, picks up the water bottle. What is the other end of that chain? And what are the steps involved, if you wouldn't mind going through that? You can say like the first step is a tree being cut, actually. Yeah. Uh, from an FFC certified forest in either Sweden or Finland or Norway. 
it's all Scandinavian based. And FFC, I see that's one of the one of the stamps on your on you your. You say that it's the organic, yeah. the organic mark for uh, for the trees. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's not a perfect industry, I have no. to say, not at all. Uh, but it's it's not a fossil uh, commodity. It is actually something that we can get again. But it's also something, and now I'm getting a bit ahead of myself because you asked into the chain. But it is something that we need to be much better at, at uh, recycling, uh, both in Denmark, but also abroad. I'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, then it's uh, it's going to uh, Elopak, which is our uh, is the manufacturer of our carton. Uh, they make uh, they make the carton. We have just uh, innovated together with them a new type of carton without the alufoil in it. Oh wow! Which it, we are actually the first water company in the world to provide a completely aluminum-free uh, water um, carton. And why is that beneficial? Why is that better? Uh, the aluminum uh, uh, basically uh, gives out more uh, carbon footprints, uh, emissions, okay. carbon emissions. Uh, and, and it's something that we really have wanted to get rid of for like since day one. Uh, the, the carton that we started with was 70 four percent uh, forest based now we are 96.3 so we're getting there and if if you're in doubt the end goal is of course like 100 percent. and by forest based you mean that just just is it is it that you take your carton and throw it in the forest and it's fine no it's just <laughs> like no, no not at all you should never just, do that i'm uh, joking yeah <laughs> Um, like in general, when people say that that uh, that packaging can be thrown in the forest and it can be thrown in the sea and then it's gone in three months, okay, yeah, but you're still an asshole yeah, because exactly. you can you can you can recycle it and you should recycle it yeah. instead of throwing it anywhere. Uh, but but in in general, um, uh, when when we say forest based, it means that ninety six point three percent of our packaging comes from wood. Not meaning that we also have a plastic lid on it, which are based on oil from trees and not fossil uh, fuels. There's also fossil fuels in it, but it's forest-based. And that is where we need to innovate uh, still. And that's that's something that it, it will come, that we are getting 100% uh, forest-based material in it. But uh, as it is for now, the only thing that are not forest-based is our new, um, is called EVOH, the barrier which I need. And and every time when people are talking about like barriers and 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 containers to to have it in, it is the barrier that that means everything in it. What is it? What is it made from? And and we have we have been uh, used the aluminium for for some years now. Which uh, it it gives a long shelf time for water, and it also gives the opportunity to storage the water in a not uh, uh, cooled uh, environment. There is uh, the water can can last forever more or less, but we have like one one year today. But it's something that we'll have a shorter period of time where where you can where you can drink the water, which is currently four months on on the new one. Uh, but we we think that we can manage to get it all the way to to six months, and that is an important step for step for us to to have an even more sustainable uh, container. Um, so that is that is where we are uh, right now, and um, 
uh, Elopack is, is one of the largest uh, manufacturer of uh, cartons in the world. And um, we're happy to, to work together with them. They're doing a lot of great things when it comes to to growing forests in, uh, in, in Indonesia and in Africa. Um, we, we, don't, um, we don't see that, like, that part of their business as a part of our business, meaning that, that we think that we need to do even uh, better than they are, they are already doing. Does it make sense? Um, no, it does, it does. And, and is, it, is it by that, do you mean that better than what they're already doing in the terms of sort of innovating better better packaging or also the I'm just the I'm impact just saying the there's a lot of greenwashing out there. I'm not saying that Elopark is greenwashing, but but if I'm taking into my uh, calculation of how my company is running, what they're doing good, what are the, exactly. then I doing good. And and uh, that's the reason why I'm not I I, I have no problem about telling what they're doing because I think it is the right thing to do. Yeah. But there are still things to be done better, and and we are also planting forests. It's also later down in the mm. in the value chain, and uh, and um, but but uh, but we still need to to innovate, and we still need to to keep on asking ourselves, what can we what can we do better as a customer of uh, of Edelpack? So so don't just uh, because they say they are FFC certified and. And doing all those good good things that is that is not enough for us um, yeah. so we need to to do better so what is the next step after the packaging uh then we are we are collaborating with the largest organic dairy in uh, in uh, in denmark uh which is called Tise. my uh, probably one of my favorite dairies when i they, saw you guys were packaging there i was like okay this is awesome <laughs> i love the milk they make they're great it is a fantastic company yeah. it, it it really 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 is uh, we had a smaller manufacturer before this, um, which were also great uh, for us to to start with, and we had a, a wonderful collaboration with with them for some years. And then we uh, we needed to try something new in order to improve our packaging. And uh, and uh, yeah, we we were experiencing a lot of growth, uh, and um, we came across the CEO of Tisi some years ago by. Uh, a coincidence as much in life um, and de- and today we we have um, a very solid collaboration with them where we also are bundling some deliveries uh, in order to reduce the, both the carbon footprint but also to be honest like uh, the amount of money we are paying for transportation exactly uh, so so that is like that is the next step that that we are getting water from tisa which is also a city. People are often asking me, so Tise, uh, where uh, where is that? Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask you. I was going to ask yeah. you, is that a city as well? <laughs> but it is. I, I wouldn't say a city. Uh, <laughs> okay, I was. A town. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say a town. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it is a very small. Uh, it is a very small town. Uh, it's it's uh, I say more or less uh, less than a village, but it's it's a super nice area in the northwest part of Jutland and. Um, and, and uh, that is where we also are getting the water from. The people also have also asked us, but uh, okay, tap water. Where do you get your water from? So, yeah, we, we are taking the tap and then we are opening <laughs> it. 
Uh, you, oh, so simple. Yeah, simple. Yeah, just like everyone but, else. Yeah. But is there is there a reason? I mean, of course, you picked Tisa because of the of the partnership with them, mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. they're your packaging plant, I guess, if you call it that. Mm -hmm. um, but is just because is the water there like specifically better than no. any other? No, just no, not at just all. Just the location. The water, is is. the water is great, just as yeah. it is uh, so many other places uh, in Denmark. And Good. that is like also one of our points. We don't want to like purify yeah. like a specific area. Ooh, like when you Danes in general are really, uh, what can you say, proud of their local tap water. When I go home, I'm from the <laughs> west part of, of Jutland. My dad says we have wonderful tap water. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we do that. We also have that in Aarhus. They also say that in Copenhagen. But there is, of course... Yeah. Uh, it's, it is different. Uh, it is different from Copenhagen to uh, to Tisa. Uh, the, the, the taste of the water is different, but the quality is under the same demands. And we, of course, all the time we are, you can say that is the next step after we actually tapping the water. We are looking into the uh, microbiology mm. on the water uh, and and do like like checks every time uh, because of course just as anywhere else there can come contaminations it happened uh, recently it. actually in, in Fredericksburg the neighborhood that I currently live in in, in, in Copenhagen mm. the entire neighborhood mm. was not allowed to drink any water we were not allowed to drink water from our taps for almost 10 days or a week yeah. because there was some some uh, leakage from a from a septic tank into the into the wrong line or something they fixed it and it was fine uh, you know, reminded me of being back home for for a few days. Uh, you know, but I th but I think it's it's it is that question as well, right? Like, uh, you need to test in s despite of trusting the system, the government, or the the setup of the of the tap water. You are testing, and and do you see anything in those tests that's like, I mean, what are we really drinking? Like, <laughs> are you seeing something in there? We have never tried to have uh, teas. We had early on. We have tried where, where there's been something where we had to destroy, but not a tea since we started to collaborate with them. Okay. Uh, we are also just to be sure we are uh, UV filtering the water. Um, it's not a big thing. It's just like it goes through UV light, just to like do like an extra uh, what you know, an extra filtration. extra bouncer, yeah, yeah. filtration yeah. of uh, of the water. But otherwise, we don't do anything. We don't add anything to it. We don't. Uh, uh, we don't. We don't even have a taste of water, as many of the others are doing. No. We we just have. We, we do the microbiology, and then we do sensoric tests as well, which just means that people are tasting it and yeah. see does it taste good? Yeah, it does. And then we have. Then we put uh, references in a locked room where we always can go back and check if 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 a customer. Um, are experiencing something, you know, like transporting water in um, in a container made of wood, and wood is not like a sustainable structure. The tree fibers is is different, and sometimes it maybe can be like a leak on one of them, uh, and then it can like taste odd, mm. and we have tried that a couple of times, just as I think everyone else that are that are selling uh, uh, food uh, have tried that uh, that there's maybe a packaging that has been not sealed the right way and but but when it happens we know exactly 
what batch and when it was produced and how many card signs. If you if you have a customer and you say, okay, it says where, and you call me up and say, uh, yes, but what's up with this? I can I can go to our references from that date, saying the number of the card signs that you have, and I know exactly how many card signs before or after my different references for that day that is. And then we will take the two on the side and see is there something to be aware of here. So it's that is that is kudos to to tease it for a super professional setup uh, where we can where we can really um uh, what do you say um control yeah control yeah what's what's going on awesome so, yeah so that's the step and then it goes out to heart of <laughs> our customers and something i just want to like emphasize here is that that um, we have decided in Postavan not to export our water at all outside the Danish borders. We have several opportunities. It would be a great market, I'm sure. Uh, I know it would because we have we have uh, offers from New York, from Singapore, from China, from Af- from a country in Africa. I can't remember which. Uh, in um, in uh, in in Germany as well. Uh, several times in Sweden, but we say no because we don't believe that there is anything sustainable in transporting a heavy material just as water around the world. That was how it started with Fiji water uh, shipping. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, was not, it was one of the major players that started up in Fiji and started to, to export it around the world. And that is not sustainable at all. And that is not why we entered this, this business. So we transport it, but only in Denmark. And... I heard I heard you mentioning that on your TED talk as well, and I and I wasn't sure if you changed your mind since the TED talk, but clearly you haven't. No. And 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 I will never do that. Yeah. That's like I have I had one uh, one and a half year ago that said yes, but we uh, want to um, want to export to China, and I said okay, we don't export. And said but listen to me, this will be. The one container after the another, just sending massive amount of your water out there. And I had to say to him, okay, listen to me very careful. No, we will yeah. not do it. If we start to do that, we are not like better at all. I know there's a lot of the others that are setting up to export actually to China. And I think it's a huge, uh, it's a huge problem. And I we are working also on a political level actually to to influence yeah. that it should be not you shouldn't be allowed to to export to other countries where where they actually have clean drinking water they don't have that everywhere in china but then we should support the systems there and mm, exactly and i think i was going to say that because i think there is an opportunity and i'm sure you've thought about this but sort of to create almost like an open source model of mm-hmm. like how can you take your own post event of your own country and 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 sell it or mm. or or come into contact with it because i do think uh and and i think there's a lot of i mean having i mean growing up in india having lived all across europe um you know kind of my first country where i spent a lot of time in europe mm. was in france in paris and and it's fine water is great there but people just don't drink it for you know cultural reasons yeah uh, they go to for the Perrier or whatever that's kind of in the restaurant. 
but no matter any restaurant you go to, you, you get a bottle of, of tap water just given to you. Like there's mm-hmm. no questions. Yeah. And I think realizing that, you know, kind of in, in countries in Europe, I've, I've lived in the Netherlands for many years before I came to Denmark, all these countries, right? The, like the systems over the last 50, 60, 80 years have been created to provide a lot of social security, uh, you know, in healthcare, water, a lot of basic nutrition, uh, basic sort of uh, for, for people. And I think, you know, the, it, it's sort of always seen as anti-capitalist, right? Um, but there is an opportunity for, you know, people who are interested, entrepreneurs who are interested in a, in a maybe, I don't know, <laughs> in a different way, you know, who mm. can sort of say, can we take something in our country and make it better? That mm. is for everybody, but also package it. In a, because you guys are in a way, someone could say, you know, cynically say, oh, these guys are not doing anything special. They're just taking tap water and selling it. But you will say that's what you're doing. That's the point. Mm. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just to showcase the fact that the water is good enough to exactly. drink. Yeah. Exactly. And um, I will say, like, exporting the concept of post-event, I would be completely open to. Uh, we are completely open to them. We have looked into other markets several times. We do, uh, The Danish market is still huge. And yeah. we are s- still, uh, like, a small player in it. We, yeah. want, it, we want it to be way smaller <laughs> uh, and then be a bigger player in that uh, in that market, yeah. But uh, but definitely uh, open to uh, to exporting the concept. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we stopped where the water was packaged and sent off to all of your uh, re- all of your customers. Yes, and I think that's that. We have to. I really want to talk about that because you have some very interesting customers. It's not you don't get post event everywhere, but then you get it in some very interesting places, and it's it's more and more. Can you can you talk a little bit about the kinds of customers you have and how you find each other? Because clearly it doesn't seem like a regular sell 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 model. It's it's you know value value selling model almost, right? Is the value the same on both ends? Yes. Um, first of all, when we sell, we try to reach out to some companies which are open about their um, values and their targets when it comes to sustainability. Uh, and um, and second, I will say that uh, that we also had a strategy in the beginning that we wanted to 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 like uh, enter the market with with companies that not only were committed to doing a great uh, uh, bottom line but a triple bottom line and uh, and that the green aspect was something that was a demand for them to uh, to live up to. Um, the kind of customers that we have today is um, some of the biggest cultural institutions in Denmark. It is um, some of the biggest companies in Denmark, which have um, has focused on on uh, on green tech and uh, maybe also wanted to uh, to to do a very like uh, what can you say very visible. Uh, statement to the employees and their customers that they have taken a conscious decision on how to consume uh, water, which is something that w- when we started Postman, we could see that w- we did a s- uh, larger survey where we could see that, that water was a like low interest area. People d- actually didn't really care if it said the one brand or the other brand. But that was also something that we needed to change and 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 today, um, the people that are choosing us are choosing us because of the values and our uh, our values set. 
Um, so so that that is uh, that is our customers. Yeah. Very cool. Um, one thing I find interesting about sort of you know how how you've set up also your brand. I think I want to talk about that a little bit now because clearly you're making a statement with your company, yeah. right? Yep. It it's not just it's not just uh, making some money selling uh, uh, some water, right? You're doing that, great. That's a nice part of your business, but it also seems like you've managed to create a bit of a movement around this um, this concept. Um, tell me how much of that was sort of thought through from the beginning, and I think it, it you know how did you think about the brand of Post Event and, and what have you been doing with that the last couple of years? Um. I don't know if it was like fall through from the beginning, but we could we could definitely feel that we had something here that was we used to say that it was better than ourselves. Um, like the opportunity and the message was was better than we were like as professionals. Um, but we started um, more or less to figure out that that if we wanted to be a brand that could build a movement and could like, that could have. Uh, support us widely we would need to stick true to our to our values and our our mission also meaning that for instance that we needed to um, to say no to private label uh, we did one test two tests on it but but it was something that a lot of people wanted to do though is a for some reason there is like these this uh, tradition in denmark that companies really want to have their logo on the water uh, which is, which is so strange because you don't call up, <laughs> like uh, you don't have one of your look on your milk or your coffee or w what's the deal here? But the, we we have struggled a lot with uh, with that. Yeah. Um, but we said to them, we are as much a movement as we are a company, and we want to uh, stick to have the focus on our our course. And that has been something that we have been very conscious about the last couple of years. Also, building uh, something around uh, the carton, building other projects around the cartons, and to mention some of them, we have done. Um, we made the app called Postavent. Yes, our. I have it. I have it right you, here. You have it right there. Um, I just down. I downloaded it a couple of days ago. It's ah, so great. cool. It's super useful. I mean, right now it's not that useful because of the. the just to say what it is yeah, we please. have made it we have said we have we have made an app which is basically just a google map uh, where you can see where you can get free tap water uh both in restaurants but also like on the street where where are there actually fontaines where you can fill your your water bottle if you're on the go uh, and uh, and you're thirsty um we're not the only one in the world that are doing this there's, there's other uh, companies in the world that are doing this but i think we're the only water brand that uh, that does this because we again we are trying to point in a direction that actually points away from from selling something um and then then some of our critics have said that uh, then it's just to, to gather a lot of data from your customers and use it no we don't gather any data on it at all uh, there's no such thing as a free meal no so if if there's no such thing as a free meal then what what we are um what we what we are asking for you is then to have our brand as an app on your phone. But and that I think it. and I think there's 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 this 
that's an interesting i just want to make a point here right because i think that is an interesting opportunity right marketing in in the old sense of the word mm -hmm. is talking about what your product is in the right places right that's what it is yeah that's that's sort of getting your brand out there and 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 finding the right people who want to associate with you that's it you know people like us do things like this as seth godin sort of has famously said many times and i think very few companies actually do this right right very few companies actually say okay if our customers are people who are thirsty mm -hmm. right that's in a way you know if you provide value to them you know maybe they can buy your product i don't know once or twice uh, a day or a week when they go for t to the locations where you sell right mm -hmm. you don't sell online uh you have to buy it at a retailer um so then how else do you help them not be thirsty is by by doing other things so yeah. i think that's an interesting way of looking at also what you're doing so i think it's very cool i like it thank you and we also um we also uh, we're also proud of it uh, I'm, yeah. I'm proud of that we are that we are spending the most of our money on uh, on doing stuff like that um that that the post event app is is one of the things we recently have done uh, 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 what would that could, be? Could you translate that? I have no idea yeah, what that is. It is like... Like citizen it, something? or Yeah, citizen suggestion to the okay. parliament. Oh, yeah. In Denmark, we have a system that where you can, um, where you can uh, raise a suggestion and if you are getting uh, 50,000 people to sign it, then the parliament needs to work with it in, uh, in the parliament. Um, and we recently just raised a suggestion saying a complete no to pesticides in uh, in Denmark, um, which is of course a radical move. But that is some of the things that we are seeing pushing not our business but pushing our everyone's uh, access accessibility to uh, to clean drinking water is that that more and more drillings are getting uh, polluted in Denmark with pesticides. Um, so so your your specific. Uh Uh, well, I don't know what you call it, forsley, uh, yeah, suggestion, forsley, right? yeah, suggestion. Yeah, sorry, forsley, there yeah. we go. Uh, it's it's that there should be banning of subs uh, of uh, of pesticides in water, or a completely ban of use of pesticides in in Denmark that can end up in the groundwater. Got it. Full stop. Okay, yeah. very cool. And and you have managed to get some pretty interesting people to help you with this, right? Because I think on your website yeah. I saw. A famous uh, musician, uh, singer, yeah. uh, and some other people that are. H how did you go about getting this, uh, getting the word out of, for all of this? First of all, I think that, that the person that you're talking about is is Mo, uh, uh, Mo um, which is one of um, the uh, most uh, like successful musicians in Denmark over the last 10 years. We are um, super proud of that she is a part of our company. She invested in it. A couple of uh, years ago, so she is one of uh, one of the owners of uh, of Pastelen uh, today. Uh, Karen, as her name is, has a huge platform um, because she makes awesome music, <laughs> and but she's also a very political person that have have um, have said yes to to support our cause, and she's one of the the people that we have promoted this uh, this like I say pesticide things with we have never um, 
make like uh, buy four and get the fifth one free and then use Karen's face in this. Not at all. I don't think she would be interested in that either. But we have tried to support the cause more of selling the product in our collaboration with her. We did a small merchandise batch on dead with Deadstock Clothes, only pre-order Deadstock Clothes uh, a year ago with the, with the Say No to Pesticides um, text on it. Um, where we are, where we're using all the money, not not the surplus, but all the money, to uh, to planting uh, new trees in uh, in Denmark, um, and she is also supporting this course. And then we have in our board, super proud of having. I know that you know him as well, but Espen Bier, um, which is uh, a great journalist. Um, he was the one who introduced us. us first. So. He definitely, yeah, he was. And um, and Espen also has a massive platform, and uh, and uh, as as people, most people in Denmark know, he does. He's not afraid of like doing political statements, and this is one of them that he had taken in, and we are so happy that he is supporting this. Uh, but in general, we, especially Andreas, um, also part of my network, are, are musicians, and and they have uh, have supported. Uh, this course about saying no to saying no to pesticides and in and positive and in general is is widely supported in uh, beyond musicians and actors and so on. Um, I myself are very political active and we also see more and more that are supporting it there. So I think that we have some great friends that are that are helping us uh, yeah. pushing our message forward. Um, I also think I need to mention that we have our chairman of. Um, of uh, of Postevan and also one of the owners is on top Laosen, which is a former CEO of uh, of Leco in uh, North uh, America. Was there for 13 years, um, which have he is like he's in the definitely a leaguer in uh, in in Denmark when it comes to um, uh, to people skilled within when scaling businesses and so on and and uh, he has also provided us with a with a lot of of help both both like supporting the non-commercial direction that we have taken this company in normally it's 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 a complete different uh, demand that is to him uh, when he when he enters a, a company but he he understood us from from day one and um, have helped us a lot um, so he's also one of the person I would say that are that are supporting our our cause, but in, in generally, I think that we, I have at least a feeling that we are getting so much love from our network and no. from people around. There's also, of course, uh, the industry, which hates us, and uh, but that was like the purpose why we entered in the first place. But like in general, for people that want a greener planet, that want to change. The way that we consume, the want to challenge um, the norms when it comes to uh, to how we uh, we grow things and uh, and also want to protect water for for the future. We we are getting massive support, and I'm very thankful for that. It's funny, right? Like when you when you do something for the for the for the betterment of the planet, mm -hmm. and you're doing it honestly and openly, you're not saying you have all the answers but you're working towards you know finding answers Definitely. it's funny how people support you right it's like <laughs> it's not that difficult to figure out but i think many companies or many people don't understand that fact and i think it's almost 
it's almost too late because if you're a multi-billion dollar company that thinks water should not be a human right, uh, even if it was a Freudian slip, mm. um, you know, if, mm. if, if, if that is your ethos, if your whole, it's, if your only uh, bottom line is the profit, if that's all it is, right, mm -hmm. then you're never going to think like this. You're never going to have values like this because it goes against what you care about. You care about finding the cheapest water in the world, mm -hmm. the cheapest uh, population in the world that's going to work for you, the yeah. cheapest plastic in the world, yeah. and then the cheapest and most efficient way of, of uh, shipping that shit around the world. Mm -hmm. That's all you care about. Right, yep. like, and then spending hundreds of millions in branding campaigns and finding supermodels to yeah. work, be on and all that bullshit, right? And I think yeah. at the end of the day, like, people are realizing more and more around the world that that is wrong, unsustainable, yeah. and it just doesn't make sense. And then you decide when you're at the shop to be a part of that or not. That's it. Exactly. It's exactly. very simple for the for the consumer at the end of it, right? And I think. Finally, we're getting to a point that over the last few decades where people are, you know, able to also support this in a more scalable way, right? Through mm -hmm. social media, but also through their pockets. And companies like you guys didn't exist. Of course, people have, they have been doing similar, companies have existed in a similar way. Mm -hmm. But, but um, I haven't heard of a water company that's doing what you're doing. Let's just put it that way. Like I haven't heard of anyone else that's that's doing something like this uh, and i want and i'm trying to look for them so <laughs> you know well, we uh, are, there, are, there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of water companies in the world that are selling water in carton and but i think that we're the only one that are pointing away from ourselves all the time meaning that yeah, that we that we are pointing at the tap yeah, instead of yeah. our own product and, um, I, and, I, and I think, and I think you you mentioned a couple of times you're you're also political, and I don't know how much of this you want to talk about it now. Maybe it's not the talk right. Talk a lot context. about it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think but I think for me it's important because clearly that's part of the DNA of the company, right? How mm -hmm. political you are, and Andreas and your team, and I haven't met him, so I don't want to talk about. I have, I can't uh, talk on his behalf, but but how does that play into the company, and what is what is that political influence that you bring and your team brings? What is that? First of all, we are we are different. We come from different yeah. political backgrounds, all of us, uh, which gives uh, um, a quite interesting dynamic, I would say. Um, but we are we agree on this topic, what what we want to do here, and I would say that that every decision that we make, all of them, are uh, political founded. Uh, like every single one of them is political founded. Could you give me an example? Um, for instance, if we can see that choosing one direction over another, then and and direction one is the most convenient one, is the cheapest one, um, and it's the one that would like give us a better margin on our on our product. But the other one is a better one for us to take when it comes to the environment. We have to take that one. Uh, and that's a that's a very strong like policy to uh, to have in it, because uh, I would lie if you don't get tempted sometime. Like for instance, the first time we don't get tempted anymore, but like the first time that a person came to me and said, "We want to sell the water in New York," I was like, "Wow, it's the greatest city in the world. Um, it would be awesome, yeah, but it would also be completely wrong for us to do." So that's that's how you make a decision. Uh, we always like. On the nature side of it, um, and also we have uh, we've decided now 
to for every 100 carton that we um, that we are selling to plant one tree in Denmark. Uh, over um, uh, we just plant our first forest in Billund um, over some over ground groundwater uh, area, and uh, we are on the 21st. We are planting uh, a part of planting uh, a huge um, climate forest in uh, on Samsø. And then in the end of the year, we are most likely gonna. We are going to plant a third one, but but the location is a bit unclear right now. But hopefully, it's going to be just outside of Copenhagen. Um, that is also a political decision because those money we could easily just like put into the company and uh, get out as a surplus or get more in salary. But we decided that that is a part of our business model. It's a political statement that. Uh, that we need to uh, to build that into to uh, to all of uh, the products that we are selling uh, that that we need to contribute to saving um, or, or at least protecting the the groundwater. So it goes from all the different car tanks we sell. It goes for the water jugs and go for the t-shirts that we sell. That we are putting uh, money into um, into uh, into to to groundwater protection. Uh, that is also a political statement that we uh, that we have decided to uh, to do. You mentioned there it's it's uh, it can be hard, right? It can be tempting, or it was in the beginning, and maybe now, as as you've been doing this for you said almost ten years, right? So it's kind of become part of your DNA as the company. Um, how how often is it that? Um, your your political values and I, by by this i mean you because there's other people in the company mm-hmm. um that goes against what you're doing <laughs> like by, by that i mean uh, you know is is it have you ever put yourself in a position just just because i think it's interesting for business owners who are grappling with these issues right where i mean let's put it this way your company started off from a project that you had to finish um, or to to graduate uh, from Chaos Pilots, right? Mm-hmm. So it came from a very, I don't want to say political place, but it came from a place where you had certain values that were in it, right? Yep. And many companies start off that way, right? They have great values, but along the way, those values kind of get lost. Yeah. Yeah. So how how is it that you know you and your team has managed to stick with those values? Or have those values changed over time? And what are the new values? That's what I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out. Like, how, what has that process been? And what has there been some friction there? And if so, what has what was that friction? Um, like in the beginning of you asking this question, you said if my political views have ever been like challenged in yeah. what we're doing, and I'm trying to think of that, and I. Like the opportunity of doing something wrong uh, are there like several times, not a month, but maybe a year. But but I can honestly say that I've never like done something that not in this context that went against my political um, beliefs. Yeah. Um, so so no. Uh, but um, we were starting like. On a very small scale with Postavan. We were starting with buying 500 cartons and then we, were, we sold them on a local cafe 
to see if it would work out, do a prototype, and then we're starting to build it from there. And then, in, then like in the first three years, we don't we didn't have any salary, and we agreed on that we wanted to have salary in order to be able to do good. So uh, because if you don't, if you can't pay your rent or if you can't buy food, it's, it stops at some point. Yeah. And and uh, I think that is that is also tempting to get that salary, that the first salary. And I think that that is a different, um, uh, at least for many companies, um, they they want to take that opportunity earlier. And we could have got gotten something earlier by taking some other decisions. But I think that uh, for some for some reason we we decided not to, and that postponed the opportunity for us to um, to to uh, to get like a more safe ground. That was before we had kids as well. <laughs> Good so timing. That, yeah. that definitely changed like uh, having yeah. having kids. You know that yourself. Yeah. Uh, like it changed your perspective on like the provider provider figure as well, right? Yeah. Um, but I would say instead of like um, uh, going in in uh, in, uh, in a curve down, we we have been raising the curve on like doing good. Uh, I think we're trying to to do new projects all the time and also projects that are sustainable and could last for a long time. For instance, the app, yeah. which we have we have paid for ourselves. There's no like funding in it. Um, we just paid for it. Um, it it can last for a long time. We can we can keep on building it, so it's a good investment. The the trees that we have planted, they will stand there for the next hundreds year, hundreds of year, and we will protect the groundwater. So it's also like a sustainable. And that is that is also, you can say that by doing these projects, it's also a kind of marketing for us. Yeah. So the, it's it's a value based marketing, and and we think that uh, that's a we we think that is a way for our company to uh, to do it. To, to, to stay true to um, to what we what we want to change and then like build on that yeah. yeah if we if we go a little bit sort of high level for a second right because I can imagine a lot of business leaders uh, you know if and if they are not doing it they should <laughs> come to you and ask okay how do we become a more value driven company or you know I'm not sure maybe they do maybe they don't um, are there certain methods or ways in which you sort of think about you know creating value within your brand or your company because i think what's interesting with postavan is that you could have stayed unpolitical right just said okay we're just going to quietly do what we're doing uh, work with great partners like tisa sell in great places but not that's it stop there mm. right but you've kind of gone over and beyond and also sort of you know, done this kind of, let's call it value-based marketing, if we call it that, uh, you know, and how do you, how do you see other companies that uh, could do it, but aren't doing it? Is there some, some opinion you have on that, you know, sort of in the overall market in general and people that are in your industry, so to speak? Um, I think there is a lot of cool companies that are, that are doing the best that, uh, that they can. I think that, the good thing is that the consumers is starting to get more and more conscious about this. And 
a driver for change is also is also like the critical voice. Uh, we were the critical voice in this field some years ago, and now we are still the critical voice, but we are also a part of the game, yeah. uh, meaning that we're changing the game as well. And I could see like some companies have the opportunity to go down that direction, or maybe it's the people that are in in the garage right now innovating the next thing. Um, but I think I think like the, the core of it is to uh, the bigger companies. It's harder to to do because they also pay salaries to a lot of people. They invested in buildings, they invested in machines. Like doing the flip, is is uh, is maybe harder uh, for them. Um, like the one of my favorite stories, if if we have time for, if one Please. of them, I've heard. Um, I actually don't know if it's completely true, but let's just give it as an example. But but. Um, uh, you know Christopher Columbus, right? Yeah. Why did he sail out? To find uh, your... Yeah, to find home. India, right? Wasn't that the exactly. reason? But yeah, then he went to West Indies? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, then he ended uh, another place. Why yeah. did he want to go to, to India? Uh, spices and all that stuff. Yes, right? spices, exactly. Trading? Yeah, spices. Exactly. And Why did he want to get spices? Because the food tasted like shit. <laughs> also, but also there was a lot of spice that could be used into conserving uh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah conserving. Longer, yeah, yeah. Sure. That was actually the, the main reason for, for like conserving it. food because there was no refrigeration or anything like that. Exactly, then. and then yeah. at some point they they figured out how to like get bigger ice blocks and 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 build something around them, and the food would last longer. Then the electricity came, uh, so you can big big cold warehouses. You can blow in a lot of cold air. The food were lasting longer, and then bang, you had the you had the fridge at home. Um, and that's of course a, stor a story of innovation that you're having right there on, on how to conserve food. But the interesting thing is that there was no one from the, um, the spice conserving industry that went over the ice plug industry and the ice plug industry to the cold warehouse industry and the cold warehouse industry over to the fridge industry. So, and, and I know this is a story about Blockbuster and Netflix. But it's just also it also gives me a lot of hope that there is someone that could come from behind in different areas and just like run past the bigger companies and offer a better solution, um, and and uh, that is maybe like uh, the biggest like uh, advice that I can give to to innovators and uh, idealists out there that that um, that. You, you can become the next big thing. I will not say that Pasteman is a big big thing, but we wanted to challenge an industry and raise a voice uh, and create awareness around a problem. And I think that we succeeded with that. And we can keep on doing that. Uh, and we are still like, we still only Andreas and me in the company. We are a network-based company that, that have set up with a lot of other cool uh, companies in the value chain. So, so it is doable, um, yeah. uh, and uh, I think that, that that is like the main thing to look for if you want to invest in a business, Keith, is that who is in the garage right now doing the next cool thing. That, that's all I do. I only <laughs> look at garages and, yeah, cool, <laughs> and, cra and crazy people who want who yeah. to try to, try to leapfrog uh, industries. And I think there's... Um, there's a, I, I mean, I come from the tech background, so that's kind of all I know how to do is, is try to do those things in, 
usually fail, but once in a while you get lucky. Um, and I think there's a, there's an article written by a very famous Silicon Valley investor called "Software is Eating the World." Um, yeah. It's a I'll link it in the show notes. It's it's very tech focused, but it can be applied to other industries too because I think it's kind of a you know similar things are happening right now. I think you know if if you were told, and I want to talk about chaos pilots as well a little bit because I want to see. I want to see if that foundation was helpful, but I think um, there's there's something which we forget, right? Is that, and this is attributed to Steve Jobs talking about this many times, right? Everything around us was created by people like us. Like, you know, it's not it's not it's not some alien that came and made this. It's not like you know nature that this is kind of happening. It's almost anti-nature that so so many of yeah. these companies exist in a in the way they do. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for innovation, for disruption, and and uh, you know, Postvan is definitely a really good example of that in an industry which uh, needs it. Um, chaos pilots. <laughs> yeah. I had uh, I had uh, Christer on, uh, and I've I'm also in the same building as him right now. Oh, cool! Say hi yeah. to him when you see yeah, him. His his episode's gonna go up soon. Okay. Um, and also uh, uh, Nicolas uh, Arroyo as well on earlier. Um, What's happening in Chaos Pilots? Why are all you guys like creating such cool shit and doing some awesome stuff? Um, uh, talk about talk about the influence um, uh, that school has, and and what and what do you yeah talk about Chaos Pilots a little bit? Yeah, um, I had no education at all before the Chaos Pilot. I didn't even do uh, gymnasium high school. Um, I've been like working in businesses um, for many years, working in Greenland actually. For many years. Oh wow! Um, well, before we go into th- what were you doing in Greenland? What were you doing? Uh, I've done a lot of things in Greenland. Uh, I have been a DJ, a dance instructor, an inspector. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Truly, yeah. But yeah. why Greenland? Why? Why? <laughs> it's a long story, but okay. I now you're getting it. Okay, go for uh, it. We have time. Okay, when I was 15 years old, I was a part of Legoland Shore Academy which was the Danish version of the Mickey Mouse Club. It's Legoland what academy? Shore, Legoland Shore Academy. Okay, got it. Yeah, it was Legoland's uh, attempt to make the the version of um, of the Mickey Mouse Club. Got it, got it, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. and, and, uh, and I was working there as a marketing assistant also for, for some years. I was actually in the, in the band as well, uh, making music, traveling around in, in Europe, had Aqua's old manager played together with uh, Blue oh, and Tommy Kitten in, 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 in London. I'm very proud of that period of my life. And, and it was, I was also there when I actually met my wife. Uh, so we've been together since we were 16 and 18, 16 and 17. Um, but fast forward to, uh, I met a, a guy there uh, which I became very good friends with and he had a connection to Greenland. And bef- when, like, the whole uh, thing with uh, Synergy, which was the name of the band, was uh, was over, uh, then I didn't have any education, I didn't have any work, I didn't have anything to do. And then he asked me if I would be interested to DJ in Greenland. And then I DJed there, like, two months that I'm never going to go back here. But then one year uh, later, I was back DJing, and then I was also working in the administration of this a uh, rather uh, large uh, group was working in hospitality sector with hotels and a brewery and so on. Everything uh, in Greenland, more or less, uh, and but at least in the capital. Sure. 
And I was there for some years and then I was headhunted for a newspaper and I was working for that newspaper for seven years, uh, traveling back and forward to Greenland and I actually worked for that company besides I was doing my Kias Pilot education. I had a full-time job where I was the head of sales, uh, working both with like all the commercial stuff for Greenland's largest private um, newspaper or media house. Uh, but I was also developing um, new uh, newspapers in like the free newspapers in the north part of Greenland and south part of Greenland, I made those. And when I was in Greenland, that was also where my interest of the environment and the climate changes uh, really came through. I've always been political uh, active, but it was there where I really, really got the interests of uh, of climate change. And I wanted wow. to work with it and do something. And I was like 22, 23 when I became the, like had a, a leadership position in this company and I had a lot of responsibility um, I had employees um, but I didn't really have any tool how to lead and so on and then like like many years ago I, I was aware of the chaos pilots but but was uh, not sure what it what it actually was and then I looked into it and then I decided to apply and got in and uh, yeah <laughs> we've been to through past event, but that was that was my final project. But I think that's really, I think it's really interesting, right? Like that, and and I think chaos pilots. Uh, well, Christopher said something uh, uh, on our on our on our episode, uh, which was really interesting to me. Is like it attracts all the different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Like it's not Definitely. just. And I think Nicholas's story leading to chaos pilots is very different to yours. Definitely. And kind of you, you know you've done some different stuff after as well. Uh, and I'm sure this is the case for for many of the fellow chaos pilots. Um, what what tools did chaos pilots give you and Andreas if you if you guys met at chaos pilots together to mm-hmm. start post event and uh, how much of that foundation still is kind of part of your thinking? Because I think it's very unique that like a school like chaos pilots even exists. <laughs> um. I think it is it is different from Andreas and I like the level of how we um, I identify myself very much as a chaos pilot. Okay, I think that Andreas identify more like with the things that we learned than like the brand chaos pilot. Mm. But I um, we have two offices. We have one in Copenhagen, uh, which is operated from with uh, for, with Andreas, uh, and uh, we have one here in in Aarhus where I'm located, which is actually located on the chaos pilots. Um, and um, the tools, or I would say, um, this may be more like the value that was like the Kickstarter of this um, is is a huge thing um, here at um, at the Gears part that we worked within the People Planet Profit. I can't remember if uh, if Nicholas also uh, mentioned that for you, but the three P's: People, Planet, Profit is something that you are introduced to like from the very beginning at uh, at the chaos pilot as a, as a student um, and i think it is um, it is interesting uh, to have a, a, an education where first of all that it's you as a person that 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 are um, valued when you apply and what you have made before is not your grades back from your 15, but it also um, your ability to showcase yourself and your and your willingness to to change something um, in the world. 
uh, or in the city you're in or in your local neighborhood. It doesn't also always have to be like on on the big scale, um, but but that you that you have an un- basic understanding of that it's that that for instance, and I think that profit is maybe the most interesting thing to talk about because I think that a lot of people that are looking outside and look into the chaos pilot things that we are only about uh, people and planet. Uh, and don't understand the business aspect of it, but I think it's completely wrong. I think that a lot of chaos pilots have uh, a great understanding of business, but also have a great understanding of the new kind of business that are that are going to uh, uh, to to exist in the world in in the future. Um, so I would say that that is like maybe the main part of it that we that the common ground that we start out from, but then it's also like it's. Like basic project management was one of like the greatest learning for me. Uh, I was a pretty uh, a political person both before and now after as well. Um, but actually but getting it done, like the project yeah, management, getting actually the things, getting yeah. the, the, the stuff reality, right? That's Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so that was like one of it. But also like understanding uh, process design and understanding how to uh, lead people uh, in a systemical processes. Um, at that point, we were also um, we had a semester that was dedicated to systemic uh, leadership and systemic process design. Um, and then all these semesters that we have, like uh, just to break it down to like four major, is like uh, product management, it's process design, it's leadership, and it's business design. And then you're doing that all again, like sent on the outpost, which is I think that Nicholas and Krista maybe have touched upon that, where we are, where we are sent out in the world to do projects. Uh, basically, you're saying that now you le- have known, uh, learned these four um, areas, and but you're not a good good enough at them if you can't implement them uh, in a different context. So we spent almost four months in Bogota, my team, and I think that that Nicholas was in uh, a trip to South Africa at uh, at that point. What were you doing in Bogota? Uh, we did, uh, my team did um, uh, something called Cien on Dia, 101 Day, which uh, was a project around doing uh, citizen uh, involvement and doing 100 interventions uh, in the city a day where people could uh, could, could uh, do a cultural thing or do a political statement, uh, but different, different kinds of um, of. Uh, of, of small events, and it actually became um, quite large. It was maybe 250 different events around in Bogota for, for one day. Uh, we did a lot of different projects there, but that was like the main thing, and I believe that it's been in more than 50 different cities now that we started that small uh, organization. Oh. Um, I think that uh, the next chaos pilot you should maybe invite in is uh, Adrian Elder. Um, which is doing if you make the intro, I yeah, I will definitely do. He he was one of the main persons to to drive that. Also, very interested and and intelligent. Uh, Thank you, uh, guy is uh, doing a podcast as well. Um, but but he was like the one of the main persons in in that. But but in generally, every chaos pilot that are going on the outpost is to practice the skills that they have that they have learned. And it was actually also in Bogota that Andreas my partner and I became aware of that we wanted to do something together um, because we are in general quite different. Um, and um, I actually think we were we, we were having a, a, 
we were arguing a night when we were when we were drunk around a, a topic. I can't even remember the details of it. But then it was like that. Then, then we should make something together. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we make something <laughs> together. So it was more or less like how it started, um, and and we did a lot of different projects before we actually went to Pastevan. A lot of stupid ideas, uh, and um, and and that was um, that was like the outpost where where we found each other. And a lot of people are finding each other and seeing new sides of. Of 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 their uh, co-students when they get when they get abroad and have yeah. an experience like this together, and then on the, then on the third year you are you are thrown out to do your own project. Our project became Postavan, and, uh, and and you were working with that more or less like maybe half a year, where you um, where you are in. Um, where you are on your own you're getting guidance you're getting lectures uh, maybe once a week and and then you have to uh, to go uh, to go to your exam in the end and and showcase that i understand all these different areas of the chaos pilot education and i've used it to to make make this project and some of the project becomes like um, what you do afterwards it became that for nicolas it became that for us uh, and i think that is one of the 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 cool things about the chaos pilots is that that they are trying to build an education that fits what you want to do with your life afterwards um and i think that's quite quite unique. yeah yeah I can wait. we do a small break i really need to be go 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 okay pee. just a second yeah so i think where I want to go now, you've been very gracious with your time so far. So I think what I want to try to um, wrap up with is, you know, what it seems like is that we, at least in the startup world, in the tech startup world, we always say, right, build something where it's just solving a problem or, you know, solve your own problem, right? And I think it seems like whether it was the Chaos Pilots teaching or, or you know, your a mixture of that and your political aspirations and everything else come together, right? It feels like you said, this is a problem. Let's figure out a way to make it better, right? That's what it looks like. Was Is there something about sort of those early decisions that you made while starting Postavan and what it became that you can see um, that other people should think about when they're starting their next company or the next idea they want to do? Is there something about that sort of early framework or blueprint that you're like okay think about it this way this helped us first of all i think that there are a, i think i think the the way that people are looking at entrepreneurship or startups in denmark today is is a bit wrong i have i have to say i think that um, the programs like dragon's dent and in denmark we call it loon sule is a part of like painting a picture of what it what it means to become an entrepreneur um, and uh, i think that's wrong uh, i think that you can that you can start up a company um, my dad has a sports shop he has had that for for 32 years is he an entrepreneur is he is was it a startup when he opened that sports shop mm, to be fair yeah it is and i think that that like doing something uh, and trying to create something for yourself is is an awesome thing, but it was not 
that was not the reason for us to do it. I have never dreamt about being self-employed, I have to say. Like, never. It was just, like, the tool for us to be able to work with something that we found interesting. And and if 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 you don't find it interesting, the thing that you are about to start, and it doesn't, like, like spark something in you, I don't think you should do it. Not at all. Uh, we... we we don't need more uh, shit. We need more solutions. Yeah. Uh, and and that is that is something that I want people to take into consideration. If you want to start their own company, that do are you making something? Are you making a solution that the world actually need, or can you uh, put your uh, your powers into something that is already there? And yeah. and it's also hard, right? Like it's very difficult to <laughs> make it a success. Like I'm sure it's been tough also for Postavan through its journey. And if you didn't believe in it enough, maybe you wouldn't stick with it long enough, right? Uh, no, uh, not at all. Um, I've had um, a lot of opportunities business-wise in my life. I came from from the media industry where I was rather successful, and I could just kept be there and have. A, uh, life where I was going home at four o'clock and be more with my family, but but we decided to do something different, and I went from having a salary of like, I don't know, like as a newly graduate around like fifty thousand Danish crowns a month, to go to something that was more or less like what I earned on on when I was on on ESU on uh, like fifteen thousand or something, I think was the first salary that that. Uh, that I had when um, when when we started to get salaries in in Postavan. So so the motivation for what you're doing is is um, is important. Um, otherwise, I think that you will that your chances of succeeding is is less than five percent. Yeah, and I agree completely. Um, last question: It's you said something very small that you your company is divided with Copenhagen and Aarhus. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that work? Is that is does that work well that the that the founders are not sitting in the same building? Yeah, now we're in COVID, of course, so not much is happening in the same building these days. But how has that been for you guys to have two kind of locations uh, for the company? Um, we have never tried anything else. <laughs> uh, so so and here we are. I would say that. Uh, so that's good. So I think that we have we have done rather well. Um, we, we sometimes we have thought that it was a what is a problem. And then we talked to to San, our which have been working f- f- with Lego, and he's also in the board of of Mattel um, today. And and um, like listen to him talking about how he have establishing collaborations around the world, uh, and and he's been living many years in the states where. Where there's far further between uh, colleagues than than here in Denmark, so I don't think it's a problem. I don't think it's a problem at all. Uh, Andreas wanted to live in Copenhagen. That is also where the um, where the the chaos pilots, uh, oh, sorry, where the uh, where our customers are. The chaos pilots are in uh, in Aarhus. Uh, I have been living in Aarhus for the last 15 years. My my wife is established here with her own business as well. Uh, I'm I'm pretty settled. I was settled before I I even entered before I even met Andreas, uh, and uh, yeah. we could have moved to Copenhagen. Um, I don't, 
don't want to do that. So yeah, makes sense. Uh, so that's that's why we're here. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Jesper, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you've been very kind, and I really think what Postman is doing is quite special. So it's uh, I'm super happy that you were you came on and were candid with your time, and I think your backstory also with the sort of music and media <laughs> industry I think is really good. Yeah. I think that's the whole point of the podcast is to kind of you know go a little bit deeper beyond just what you would find about about you in another interview. So I'm happy that we we explored a bit more there. So yeah, thank you so much for your time. I will link everything you send me to link below. <laughs> uh, of course, any social media, any any website, we'll put it in. Uh, but if you had uh, some final parting words for any of the listeners, um, what would it be? Uh, first of all, um, it would be uh, I'm super open for connecting. <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of people that are that are reaching out to us all the time, and and the, we don't we are a transparent company, so. And there were so many people that helped us when we started up. So please reach out. Um, also, I want to say that um, that we have we have done this um, because from from deep deep passion for changing things, and and that is something that that runs uh, so strongly uh, in us. Uh, and and I've I've hoped that. That we can inspire people a bit to uh, to do that as well, and and the passion hopefully is to change something that is actually needs to be changed, and this industry needed to be changed, and that's what we did. And I hope that people will will look at on how we approach it, and and trying to do that in another industry. Hmm? Awesome. Thanks, Jasper. Welcome. Uh, take care and talk soon. See you. See you.